With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 18th, 2023. It is currently 6.35 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's Thursday evening. I don't know what you're doing this Thursday evening, but how about we talk Bible interpretation? How about we do a little bit of uh, hermeneutical study? What would you, what do you think? What do you think? You want to do a little hermeneutics on a Thursday evening? Now, this is going to be a situation where I'm going to kind of present the problem, present the question, and then I will hand it to you, place it in your capable hands to go do the work. I know I always do that. Some of you love that I do that. Some of you absolutely loathe it. Some of you never do anything I ask you to do. So I don't know. Is it a good idea that I do that? But typically, even if I hand it to you and place it in your capable hands, if you keep listening to episode after episode after episode, sooner or later, I circle back around and usually address it in more of a teaching manner. I I think I typically do that. I think so. If I don't, it's probably because the responses were just so, like, you know, the response was just silence. Like, like the, the, it was the overwhelming sound of silence, right? So that usually tells me people are not interested in, in pursuing said answer. But I still love that approach. Uh, look, I, I guess that I, I, I tend to do the podcast and I, I tend to preach the way I when I was a church member, when I wasn't a pastor, how I, wa- I wanted people to present things to me to work on. I wanted them to guide me into study. I wanted the questions. I wanted the challenge. I wanted to go home and study and work and do the homework. Like I, I, I didn't just want, give me a simple answer. Let's, let's acknowledge a problem and dig in and work on it together to find the solution. So I'm, I not, obviously not everyone thinks that way. Not everyone desires that. But I, I really do uh, like that uh, approach. So we're going to do a little bit of that. So a little bit of hermeneutics, a little bit of Bible interpretation on a Thursday evening. Are you ready? Here we go. The verse in question is the book of Joel, the book of Joel, chapter two, the book of Joel, chapter two, and the very famous verse Verse 25, Joel chapter 2, verse 25, where we read these words, And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the uh, palmer worm, if I can speak correctly, the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. So let's try to, you know, if we're going to try to interpret it, maybe I should read it correctly. Okay. All right. Um, Hang on. I'm going to grab a different Bible. That one breaks up part of the words there in a way that I don't like. 
I don't like the way it does that because it's a very, very small Bible and the print's the size of like, I don't know. All right, here we go. Joel chapter two. Let me go to my normal Bible because the page is big enough that it don't have to, it doesn't have to break the words down that way. That's why I was, here we go. Yeah. Now see, yeah. Now this, see, that makes sense now. All right, here we go. Joel chapter two, verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust, the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer, palm, palmer worm. There we go. Now it, now it all makes sense. The palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. I was trying to read it the way it was broken down in the other one, but now it all makes sense. So here we go. Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust, locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Very famous verse. Typically, it's read better than I just read it. I've got to read it one more time to at least think that I've made up for how many times I've messed it up. Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Yeah, there we go. Did, did, that, did that sound okay? Did, did, I, do, did I do it better there? Did, did I do that better? I, I think so. I think so, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, please, 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 please. Your, your applause is overwhelming. I, it was just, I was just reading. Okay. Having a little bit of fun. All right. Joel chapter two, verse 25. Let me read it one more time. Joel 2, 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now, yes, I'm having a little bit of fun, but it is a serious question. It is a serious issue. If you look up sermons on Joel 2.25, and I would challenge you, if you have the Sermons 2.0 app, if you have the Sermons 2.0 app, do a search for Joel 2.25 and just start spending your evening listening to sermons and ask yourself how they are interpreting that passage. How are they interpreting it? What are they doing with it? All right. Are they doing something similar to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon did with it because I have the words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon on Joel 2.25 right here in front of me. Here are the words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon on Joel 2.25. Are you ready? Here we go. He, he quotes this, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. That's the part he's focusing on. And he says this, yes, those wasted years over which we sigh shall be restored to us. Now, all of a sudden, he takes Joel 2.25, and he makes it about the we and the us. Now, you could say, well, no, he's not interpreting it that way. He's applying that way. But let me ask you the question. Can Joel 2.25 be applied to us? So let me state it. So let's do this. Let's first ask this question. Is Joel 2.25 a promise to you, a promise to me, a promise to people you know, a promise to people in your church. Is this a promise to anyone and everyone that God will restore the years that the locust hath eaten? And do we interpret? So first of all, is this a promise? 
And is this a promise about having years restored that the locust hath eaten and the locusts are not to be interpreted as literal locusts? In other words, this is not God's going to restore the years of the devastation that locusts cause, but this is God going to restore the years of just a uh, some other kind of devastation. Is this a promise to everyone that God will restore the years that the locust hath eaten and he's not even talking about literal locusts? So God is speaking to you that he will restore the years of things you have lost. What do you think? Do you think that you think that's fair? Do you think that's fair? Do you think that's a fair way to understand it? That this is a promise is so is this a promise to anyone and everyone? Hey, 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 if you'll turn to God, God will restore the years that the locust hath eaten. Well, I didn't have any locusts eat anything. No, no, not literal locusts, metaphorically speaking, right? The years that you have lost because of sin, because of 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 whatever you were doing, God will restore it to you. Now, if you say it's a promise, how does God restore it? Does he restore it literally, figuratively, metaphorically, allegorically? So first, is this a promise? Do we understand locusts allegorically and not literally? And then how does God restore it? So really, here's what I want you to work on. Joel 2.25. Is it a promise to anyone and everyone, to us? Right, number two, is locust to be understood literally or metaphorically or allegorically? And number three, if we believe God will restore to us, how does he restore? Spiritually, physically, materially, how does this take place? I think those are good questions to begin with. Is Joel 2.25 a question for us? Is locust literal or, or metaphorical, allegorical? And if God does restore, how does he restore? Here's another question. Is Joel 2.25 quoted in the New Testament? And if it is, in what way do they use it? I mean, we, we've got some, we, we've got some good hermeneutical questions. If I was, if I was standing in a seminary classroom and I, and I came in today, this is what guys, I would have just wrote on the chalkboard, Joel 2.25, this is your assignment today. Is this a promise for everyone? Locust, literal, metaphorical, physical, allegorical. If God does restore, how does he restore? And is this verse quoted in the New Testament? If so, how is it referenced? And make sure you say Palmer worm the correct way. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking about. I'm joking about that. All right. Let's finish reading Spurgeon's words. Okay, because I already I already gave you an idea of how he handles this. All right, here we go. Yet those wasted years. Okay, here we go. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. And he says, yes, those wasted years over which we sigh shall be restored to us. God can give us such plentiful grace that we shall crowd into the remainder of our days as much of service as will be some recompense for those years of unregeneracy of over which we mourn in humble penitence. So the years we wasted being unregenerate, God will restore all the years you wasted in your unregenerate state. So this is a promise to any Christian that, hey, if you lost 40 years because you were unregenerate, God will restore those 40 years in your life as a saved person. All right. He goes on. The locust. Now, now look what he does here. Uh, the locust of backsliding, worldliness, 
lukewarmness are now viewed by us as a terrible plague. Okay, yeah, exactly. Someone says, what if we only live a few more days? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's supposed to work. Hey, hey, I live 70 years as unregenerate, but God is going to restore all of those years and I only live to be 71. I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know. But please know what he did with locusts. See, the locust just became metaphorical and, phys- and, and not, uh, not physical, literal, because look what he did. Listen carefully. The locust of backsliding, worldliness, and lukewarmness are now viewed by us as a terrible plague. Oh, that they had never come near us. Now, once again, if he says backsliding or lukewarmness, that's not unregeneracy. So this, so the, the, the years that we lose by locusts, it can happen to those saved and unsaved. I guess they'll, yeah, they'll be jam-packed with blessing. So it seems that this is not only for, this is a promise not only to the unregenerate, this is a promise to the regenerate. Hey, whether you're saved or unsaved, if you come to Christ, if you turn back to Christ, then God will restore all the years you lost because you were backslidden, you were worldly, or the words he used, lukewarmness. So now locusts don't rep- are not real locusts. They're not real locusts. They are figurative locusts. They are the locusts of backsliding, the locusts of lukewarmness, the locusts of worldliness. All right. So, so already he's doing crazy things with this text, crazy things with this text. He continues. Oh, that they had never come near us. The Lord in mercy has now taken them away and we are full of zeal to serve him. Blessed be his name. We can raise such harvest of spiritual grace as shall make our former barrenness to disappear. Though rich grace, we can turn through rich grace, we can turn to account our bitter experience and use it to warn others. We can become the more rooted in humility, childlike dependence and penitent spirituality by reason of our former shortcomings. If we are the more watchful, zealous and tender, we shall gain by our lamentable we shall gain by our lamentable losses. The wasted years by a miracle of love can be restored. Does it seem too great a boon? Let us believe for it and live for it. And we may yet realize it even as Peter, because all the more useful a man after his presumption was cured by his discovered weakness. Lord, aid us by thy grace. So God, God's going to just restore everything. And Joel 2.25 is, he, he, he's stating it as a dogmatic assertion, a dogmatic promise. And it seems to be for the unregenerate and for the regenerate, for the saved and the unsaved, come to God and he's going to make up for all of those years. So is this a promise for us? Is the locust real, figurative, metaphorical, Right. Is that, is that how we, is that how we are to understand it? Is that, is that how we are to understand Joel 2.25? Is that how, is the promise for us and are these years restored? And if they are restored, how are they restored? And is this verse quoted in the New Testament anywhere? And if so, how? I really want you to, to work this hermeneutical issue. I really want you to work it. Now, I'm just going to offer a little bit of background, just a little bit of background just to say, mm, I don't know if we should do this. First, if you go to Joel chapter one, if you go to Joel chapter one, right? right, Joel chapter one, verse one, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. 
Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Now, I would ask yourself, when you read Joe 1 and you read about the palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, is that literal or is that figurative and allegorical? Now, however, you, however you're going to interpret it in chapter 2, that would have to be, are you going to say one was literal and chapter two, it became figurative and allegorical? I, I think we have to ask ourselves a very important question. I think that's a very important question. Now, here's just a little information. The prophet Joel spoke to the southern king of Judah without making reference to the northern kingdom of Israel. It's hard to know when he prophesied because Joel doesn't mention any other kings or prophets. Many scholars date the book of Joel to 835 BC, right? This would make Joel a pre-exile prophet who, ser- who served before the fall of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? Now, everything here seems to be referring to something very historical and something that was was happening, all right? Now, um, it, they go on. This is a commentary that says this. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. Joel was not announcing a coming judgment of the Lord. He describes their present state, devastated by successive swarms of locusts, first chewing, then swarming, then crawling, and finally consuming. Judah will experience a time of famine and financial ruin because of these locusts. Now, it seems to that they are interpreting this as a literal thing that happened, literally destructive. These swarms came down and destroyed, in a sense, their economic structure. The, the crops were being destroyed. Now, this seems to interpret it in a very literal, 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 literal way. So then when you get to Joel chapter 2, right? Now, if that's Judah and they suffered that were suffering this was going to suffer this, however you want to interpret it. When they get to 25 and says, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, then that would seem that that is specifically directed to, ladies and gentlemen, Judah, <laughs> okay? Not you, not us, not we, not your church, not my church, but to them. I mean, wouldn't that make sense? They're the ones who suffered. And it would mean that the locust and the canker worm and the palmer worm are all literal, not figurative, allegorical, or metaphorical. Now, let's see what he says here. Okay, now let's see if this makes any sense. All right. Okay, now this is important. Look at verse, uh, we'll go to verse 20, I'm going to go to verse uh, 21. Fear not, O land, Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. This seems to be speaking to Israel, to Judah, I should say, to them, to the land, to the land that's been devastated by these judgments. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit 
the fig tree and the vineyard to yield their strength, seemingly to imply that hey, the, the destruction that came from the locust, the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the, there's obviously God is going to turn all of that around and he's going to restore and he's going to bless. Verse 23, be glad then ye children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he hath given you the former rain moderately and it will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil, meaning that God is going to bring whatever judgment that's faced the land. Whatever destruction has come to the land, God is going to turn that all around and they will be filled with blessing. It seems to be very, very specific to their historical situation. Then I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, um, my great army, which I sent among you. And now look at verse 26. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Now, we could ask ourselves, is this, is, was this, is there two parts to this? Was there a historical fulfillment for Judah? Was there that after this destruction, they were blessed? Or is this po- pointing to a future time of blessing, uh, for Israel that has never yet occurred? Or do you take it, rip it out of its historical context, allegorize it and say this is for the church, which some people would do? But when I read, when I read these kind of devotionals, I'm always just somewhat perplexed and confused that, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did, how did all of a sudden you and we reference us locusts become not literal locusts. They become figurative about backsliding, lukewarmness and worldliness that God is going to then restore, but we're not told exactly how he's going to, he's going to make up for all the lost time. And then they offer nothing to show us, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The reason we know this is what it means is because it's quoted here in the New Testament and here, see how they used it. See, they used it that way. Now, did they? I'm leaving that up to you. Now, the original people that Joel spoke to in Judah, I don't think they would have been like, hey, guys, guys, stop, stop, stop. This is not for us. This is for people in 2023. I I would hope that they would have either understood that this was a, a prophetic blessing that would have a historical context for them or that it's a promise for the, for their, for the, for the nation that's yet to be fulfilled. And there are some parts here that, uh, some people would say are prophetic, maybe pointing to the time of Acts. We, we could, there's a lot here we could work on. But when you, uh, this is just one of the problems with devotional reading in the modern church. Look, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, all of his devotional material is almost spoken of in hushed tones with great reverence. But what he just did with Joel 2.25 is, is atrocious in my estimation. So, Joel 2.25, is it a promise for us? Yes or no? You, you can offer your counter argument. The locusts, should we view them as literal or should we view them as allegorical, you know, figurative, illustrate an illustration? And should that then inter- change how we interpret chapter one? 
right? I think that's very important. Three, if God does promise to restore the lost years, how exactly does that, what does that look like? How does that happen? And number four is Joel 2.25 referenced in the New Testament. And then I'll just add a last one here. Does God promise anywhere else in the Bible to restore the lost years in your life? And if so, what does that promise of restoring something look like? What does it look like? In the New Testament, is there a promise of restoring the lost years? Now, see, it preaches good. The locust is backsliding. The locust is your worldliness. The locust is your lukewarmness. And if you tonight will acknowledge your sin before a holy God and come to this altar and give it to God, you will stand up and he will restore all the time you've lost. But the, while the locust has eaten away those years, that worldliness, that look, you can restore it. God will restore it tonight. And then, you know, you can get people emotional. They come down, they cry. Oh, I've lost so many years and God's going to restore it. And everybody's like, revival has come and nobody bothers to take five seconds to go hmm I don't know if this has anything to do with the actual text now I always hate being I really do I really do hate being the bad guy I really do I really do I because see this this remember what happened when we I try I tried to call into question Charles Haddon Spurgeon on the book of, of, of Song of Solomon remember all of the drama and grief that caused well, I'm assuming this is going to cause the same level of drama and grief, but I'm sorry. We, I, I, you know, I sat down, I came up here in the studio, sat, sat down, and I looked at the uh, brand new, the beta site for Sermon Audio, and they have a thing called Daily Devotion. And I, lo- and I love the Daily Devotional section, I really do. But I just sat down, I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about this evening. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, there's Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And I looked at the passage, Joel 2.25, and I'm like, let me guess. He's going to completely rip this so far out of its context, obliterate its meaning. And then people are going to be reading that tonight going, oh, what a blessing. God's going to restore all the years I lost because of, and, and just walk away saying that they were encouraged, that they were blessed. And God really spoke to them for the, for the evening devotional. And it's an absolute hermeneutical and biblical interpretive train wreck. So tonight, you don't need me, Bible, get some reference tools, Joel 2.25. Is that a promise for us? If you say yes, how would you make it a promise for us? Like, how are you going to do that? The locust, literal. Now, some of you are going to say, well, it is literal, but it also can be understood in a figurative or metaphorical way. According to whom? Like, what are you using to justify that? If God does restore the years, what does that look like? How does that look like? And justify your answer. And is this cited anywhere in the New Testament? Is it cited? And if it is, how do they use it? And then I would just ask, anywhere in the Bible, what are, are there other promises of God restoring the years? Like, where would, be, where would be other verses you would go about God restoring? Like, what does that restoration look like? Now here, it seems very literal, God's speaking about the land. He's speaking about their crops. It seems extremely literal, meaning it has to do with li- with literal Israel and literal or l- literal Judah. You can say Israel. I mean, we can get into a whole discussion and how we can do that. But d- does this have future implications beyond what they experienced?
All right. I'd love to get your thoughts. News. If at yahoo.com and news if at yahoo.com and please please do I and I mean this go to sermons 2.0 app get download the sermons 2.0 app go to the search feature type in Joel 225 and let's just start listening to sermons tonight see how the uh, pastors typically handle it all right and I apologize for not reading the Palmer worm correctly I do apologize for not reading the Palmer worm correctly. I do not know why I had so many problems with the Palmer worm. I do not know why. And Pethuel, Pethuel, Pethuel. I don't know how I, I, I may have missaid that, but all right. I don't know why Palmer worm. I know it's because this Bible, it's brand new. It's a brand new Bible. It's very, very little. And I had it to take with me uh, when I had to speak at the, the funeral. And um, yeah. I can't, I can't, I guess I can't blame it. It's just they, they got the word broken up. Like part of it is there's a line, it stops. And then at the next line is the continuation of the word. And I was messing it all up, but there you go. No excuse. It's on me. Do better. Yeah. That's all you can do. All right. I'll try to do better in reading. We all need to do better in our interpretation. Email me news. I F at yahoo.com news. I F at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. And uh, I have a feeling we may be doing more live broadcasts this evening. We'll just see. This one was impromptu. I came up here really to work on something else. And next thing you know, I'm like, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, what are you doing? But, uh, you know, it's always fun to have a little hermeneutical exercise. So you do that. I'm plugging in my iPad before the battery goes away. All right. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.